Welcome to the TLGE Network podcast. This time is devoted to empowering people to hear testimony of transforming lives and growing in excellence. The goal of these stories is to unlock, ignite, and activate the God-given potential and talents in every listener. I'm so thankful you can be here. So let's get to our guest. Our guest on this week's podcast happens to be myself. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Gordon Stewart, and I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm excited to be able to share part one of my testimony with you today. In other episodes, I introduce my guests and try to say about three things that uh, really stick out to me about uh, who they are and, and who they long to be. And so I will share few quick things about myself and try to be as humble as I can. My heart longs to be with God as much as possible and I do that by spending time with my family and my friends and devoting my work life to really connecting um, all of my passions. So that's a little bit about me and uh, I hope that uh, it becomes more clear in uh, part one of my testimony. I hope there are many opportunities that I get to personally share my testimony on this podcast. Um, during this segment, I'm going to share briefly my story, um, not the whole testimony, but I do want to share some things that relate to the stories that we've heard in this podcast. And that all starts for me uh, when I was uh, a senior in college. Uh, briefly, uh, I will share that uh, I didn't grow up in the Christian faith. I didn't grow up with any faith. And um, when I got to uh, college, University of Sioux Falls, I actually didn't even know it was a Christian school. Uh, every time I say that, everybody looks at me like I'm a liar or an idiot. And uh that's because they know that the cross is the prominent symbol on the uh, on the logo of USF. But I did not know what the cross was. No one had ever told me historically what the cross signified. And that's just where I was. So uh, I know that sounds crazy to live in America and not know what the cross means. But I was one of them. So I... Went through my first three years at USF, basically faking it to make it. Um, any way I could um, make an extra scholarship and, and uh, be a Christian, be a good person, as I described it, um, I was willing to tell people that, you know, I will be as good as you need me to be. If you want me to be an RA and you want me to lead Bible studies, I will do that. If you want me to be in FCA and you want me to lead huddles, I will do that. I saw Christianity as just another organization. I didn't see it as this um, die-to-yourself relationship with God um, context. So um, I want to share my story starting at... uh, my senior year of college, and again, I do want to be brief, but uh, my senior year, um, I uh, 
had my relationship of five years uh, with a girl that I was dating in Wyoming and then all through college, um, our relationship ended and um, it it left me in a place for the first time really in my young adult life where not only did I have more time than I had had in a very long time, uh, but I specifically recognized with that time the emptiness that needed to be filled. And uh, I had, I, I think, just navigated so much time um, with someone, you know, being uh, specifically late into the nights, um, that, that a day in my life, you know, was, you know, n- not, not abnormal to, you know, be a 19 hour day at that time in my life again in college. And so what really sticks out to me is, you know, when, when that relationship ended, I had such a gigantic, realization of the emptiness. And uh, I wrote a blog uh, about two years after that relationship ended um, called uh, The Pit, um, Shining Light into the Darkness. And uh, it's still just vividly uh, what I recall is the best way I can explain uh, being able to see uh, my soul uh, even, even you know, without the context of really being a Christian, um, I just was aware of this space inside of me. Um, like I could see it in my mind's eye. Uh, like it was, um, like my imagination, um, was the screen of, of, of my soul. And, uh, and it was just black. Um, so, if that's making any sense to you, awesome. If not, I apologize, but I'm going to keep going. So I had the opportunity, as everyone does, to decide what they were going to fill their time with. And I had lived a life up to that point, you know, even while I was um, dating uh, of a lot of um, sexual immorality, um, a lot of uh, pornography, and a lot of drinking and smoking occasionally, and going to parties, uh, and just being just a very social person, um, staying busy was something that I was really good at. But I had two options that I realistically uh, could consider. And the first option was do all of the things I've done in the past um, twice as much, just double down on all of the, in my, in my language, in my language, even then it was like, all right, double down on all this dark, sinful, pleasure filled lifestyle with friends. Or the other option was fill myself, fill myself with something real. And I'm not talking about organic food. Um, even though I do like organic food, um, I'm talking about something real spiritually. And coming from a place um, in my education up to that point, um, I, I was a history major, um, uh, learning the, uh, the uh, stories to become a history teacher, uh, secondary ed. And uh, I had seen all these 
you know, different historical events as, as really just events. Um, it's unique how um, ideas and reality um, can be so blurred sometimes, but um, I didn't really consider these events to have any potential influence on my life. Um, the men and women of old who lived, you know, they, they really didn't have any way of affecting me now. Um, and I know that that's not a very healthy way of thinking. Um, I have changed thoughts since then, but um, that's what I was thinking then in regards to learning history. So as I considered what it looked like to have something real spiritually in my life, I was aware of all the religions, all the options, all the options of faith and religion and gods, small g, large g, who said um, what, I was aware of all the options. And that was a very unique situation because I had gone from uh, not knowing anything about religion uh, at 18 to knowing all the options at 21. So I don't know if everyone has such a fast experience with uh, learning these things, but uh, that was my experience. So uh, very quickly in this, uh, in this process of uh, learning about, you know, this emptiness that I wanted to fill, uh, it was without hesitation that I went to Christianity as like option one, let's see if this is real. Like I've looked at all the history. I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, as far as historical documents, this is the faith. This is the religion. This is the man, Jesus Christ, who, um, you know, not being biased, uh, I see the most, uh, power and, at the same time, love and tenderness and compassion out of any of them. And uh, there was a, a wrestling in, in my heart around um, God of the Old Testament and, uh, and, and even, you know, even just how is Jesus affiliated with, with God of the Old Testament and, and what does that all look like? But, but, my my perspective on that whole idea was really like Hebrews, ancient Israel, uh, Jewish people, you know, they had, you know, their own faith. They had the Torah. They had, they had their own belief system in, in, in the God of the Old Testament. And, and they're still waiting on a, a Messiah. And so... I knew at least that much information to know, like, okay, I, I believe that Jesus is, is, is very connected to the God of the Hebrews. Um, I don't necessarily understand all that right now, but I believe that if Jesus is who he said he was and what other people said he was and what the demons said he was, if he's who he said he was, he has all authority and power and ability to change my life. 
And so uh, I started for the first time journaling and uh, writing things down. I remember the first two questions that I asked myself was, where does the faith go? I didn't know how to put faith inside of me. It, it seemed like it talked about like faith like a mustard seed. And I, I just genuinely was wrestling with like, what is this tangible thing? This, this metaphoric but yet literal seed that has to go inside of me. How do I, how do I obtain it? Um, and I'm not talking about Nacho Libre and Eagle Eggs, even though that is a very funny part of that movie. I was wrestling with that question, where does the faith go? And secondly, um, in regards to sin, I was trying to understand, like, where does the sin go? How do I stop sinning? so that metaphorically the my soil is ready to uh to basically not be full of weeds and um and just bad dirt so that this seed will do a real work in me and that uh it won't be choked out by the world the flesh and the devil and so i wrestled with how do i stop sinning how do I get right for God so he can do something in me? And those are the first two journal questions I ever asked. It was in a little blue 70-page composite notebook. Um, I ended up actually giving that away to a, a friend who was wrestling with some of the same questions I was. Never got it back. Hope that's a good thing. And uh, those are the questions that I asked and... Um, where I'm going to um, start to transition out of this testimony is that um, I gave, um, I gave a, a long um, uh, summarization of my life to a friend soon after I had been journaling. His name was Kyle Richards. And uh, he was actually using my bathroom in my dorm uh, fairly consistently, um, to go number two. And, uh, I had, uh, come into my room, uh, one afternoon, he was just getting done in the bathroom. And, uh, while I thought it was humorous, I was actually in such like a deep place uh, emotionally and, and spiritually in my, in my life where like, it wasn't necessarily a laughing matter. Uh, I wasn't mad, but it was just like, I didn't find it as humorous as, as normal, but as, as, uh, as it happens, I did sense, as soon as I saw Kyle, I sensed a, a voice, a whisper, still small, um, to where I didn't, I didn't even hear it audibly, but just this um, real peaceful um, echo of sorts in my, in my, in my soul is where I think it came from. And it was talk to him. He's a Christian. You can share your, your story with him. And, uh, and it was the first time I'd ever heard something like that. And so I, I, I immediately kind of moved on it. And so I shared my whole story with him. And, uh, you know, right now we're, uh, only 14 minutes in. I talked to him for at least 30 minutes about my whole life up to that point. Uh, lots of details, lots of graphic stuff that I'm not proud of. But uh, when I got done talking, he looked at me and he goes, Gordon, 
do you know what grace is? And I just could not believe that that is all he had to say to me. Um, I, I felt slightly offended uh, to, for two reasons. I didn't understand why he was asking me a question and not like empathizing with me. I didn't feel empathized with in the moment. Secondly, I was offended because I didn't know what the word meant. And I felt like I was back in freshman year of college, not knowing what the cross was and feeling silly. And now I am, you know, sharing all this vulnerable stuff. And, you know, this guy asked me uh, to define a word and I didn't know the definition. All I knew about grace um, was from a prayer that uh, my uh, former um, relationships parents used to say, and that was, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let this meal to us be blessed. Amen. And we said that before um, every meal, and that was grace. I didn't actually know what grace was. Uh, I, I will admit I wasn't a very good student um, learning history, learning um, anything in you know the, the Bible classes that I was in at USF all through college. So um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what the word meant still. And so when I said no, I don't know what grace is, Kyle, uh, he said, do you want to know? And uh, that also offended me because <laughs> I still wasn't feeling empathized with. And uh, I said, sure. And he goes, awesome. Well, before I tell you what the grace of God is, I got to tell you what the mercy of God is. And so immediately I sensed in my spirit just kind of a perk up because at that point, um, he didn't say the grace of God. He had said up to that point, um, do you know what grace is? And so when he said the grace of God, I just immediately like my, I sensed a light come in me um, of sort. And I, and so I listened intently and he said, the mercy of God is Jesus on the cross, dying for your sins. And I kind of wanted to just stop him right there because I already knew that. Um, at least I thought I knew that. I'd heard the gospel um, presentation enough times, I thought, to know where he was going with this. But he said, the mercy of God is Jesus on the cross, dying for you. It should have been you on the cross. You deserve to die for your actions. You deserve punishment. Jesus took all the punishment. And that is the mercy of God. And, and he stopped there. And, and there was, a, I don't know if it was a, a, a supernatural uh, Kairos moment in life. And, 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 and exactly uh, the timing of it all. I don't remember there being a ginormous awkward pause, but there was definitely in, in my memory a pause there. And he goes, the grace of God is everything that happened after Jesus um, rose from the dead and what that signifies as a promise for those who believe in him. And he said that when Jesus came back to life and defeated death, he is giving you a gift. And that gift is eternal life, but it's 
starting on earth. Eternal life starts on earth in the sense of new life starts here. Our new creation experience starts here. And the way that he explained it so simply spoke to the depth of that pit of my soul. And that's the best way I can put it. And he, he went on to, you know, explain in, in simplicity that, yes, God is giving you um, a gift of eternal life and you get to spend eternity with him. But he is um, so focused in his, in his pursuit of the process and not the destination. Yes, he's excited to spend time with you in heaven forever. That's not a doubt. But grace is this daily walk of being a new creation, unlike anything else that God has created. And to live on earth in a way that is with him like Jesus, like Jesus was the, 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 the second Adam. He was, the, he was a new creation. He, and, uh, you know, theologically, uh, I'm sure there's some, there's some things that, you know, can be um, uh, improved here. But, but that was how he explained grace. He said it's a free gift if, if, if you recognize that God is offering this to you. Um, it's your responsibility and it's an opportunity to, to, to take it and, um, and, and to use it um, in relationship with him forever. And, and use what? Use the grace. Use the seed of faith that he's offering. That's the gift. And from that moment... I, I remember looking at him, looking at Kyle, and thinking to myself, that was the realest thing anything's ever told me. That was real, what he just said. And, you know, all the history fallacies, you know, just washed off my shoulders. Um, all my doubts in that moment... Um, were silenced, and uh, and uh, we went about our business. We went about our day. Um, I don't think it was that profound of a moment for him, but for me, it was like uh, Moses in chapter four of, of Exodus, and uh, or chapter three, um, and I'm taking off my sandals on holy ground because it was uh, it was a real moment of of uh, profound impact on my life. And I remember the following morning, I woke up early, um, which was not uh, normal. And I remember uh, instantly getting on my knees and saying, God, if you're real, please do something in my life. Um, if, I, if, I, if, I, uh, if I give you, you know, you know my, myself, will you give me yourself. And it was, you know, very simple. And uh, all I can say that happened um, that was tangible 
was that in the following months, I wanted to read the Bible in a way like I've never wanted to read anything before. And I wanted to read it because it it was new life. It was living. It was a real experience of eating something that was giving me identity and purpose and nutrition. Um, and like I said, I wanted... I wanted a real thing in me, <laughs> and it was the holiest organic food um, that I think is available on earth and in heaven. So that is part of my testimony, and uh, what I would like to um, summarize is that I, as much as I understood in that moment, on my knees, I gave everything to God that I knew to give him. I gave him myself. And no one had told me at that point, okay, Gordon, now you got to give him, you know, your finances. You got to give him, you know, all of your secret pleasures. You got to give him uh, all of your talents and you got to give him, you know, every thought and, and, and here's all the things you need to do, and here's all the things you're not supposed to do. I, I did not have a counting of the cost experience at that point. I'm excited to share in a future testimony of, of what that experience looked like um, over the last uh, nine years. Um, so, um, nine years might be... Uh, might be wrong. It's 2012. Uh, 2011 is when that happened. Yeah, great. Hey, everyone. Going to mix it up a little bit this week. And before we get into our stories, here is a quick word from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Select Painting. With over a decade of professional experience in the Sioux Empire, voted number one in local best surveys for nearly five consecutive years, Select Painting is South Dakota's largest painting company. I am honored to say that while SP continues to impact the lives of their employees and customers as they grow, the company relentlessly aims to deepen their vision of transforming lives growing in excellence. I have the honor of witnessing the owners, managers, and painters continue to practice the values of family, fun, grit, and growth in a way that changes the atmosphere of every job site they work on. In January, Select Painting is offering a special Painter for a Day package while continuing to give free estimates to residential customers. Select Painting is also at the beginning of their recruiting season while hiring positions for commercial and residential for the spring, summer, and fall of 2020. Thank you again, SP, for all you do to make this podcast a reality. And that is this week's sponsor. In light of sharing only part of my testimony in this episode, I do want to transition into a few stories that uh, are 
most impactful since I have had my uh, faith awakened in um, in the last years, and uh, that's going to be the the segment uh, that we're going to jump into now. So this is going to be story time, and uh, they're going to be. Um, one is going to be um, uh, a parable that I've heard, and another is going to be um, really accounting of the cost. Um, those are uh, both stories and and really the ideas that I kind of left you hanging on uh, at the end of my testimony, but um, I don't want to leave you uh, waiting, so I, I want you to be able to consider um, counting the cost and being able to uh, really consider the full grasp of um, the the authority we have and the power that we have and the responsibility that we have um, in this episode and that you would leave this episode uh, feeling empowered and feeling like you have the practical and spiritual tools to have your life changed and have everything changed uh, when you are done with this episode. Hope you enjoy. share with you a story from a missionary in Africa and around the world who's not well known in America. His name is Reinhard Bonnke and he recently passed away and went with the Lord in 2019 and here is a famous parable that he made up but is obviously inspired by scripture as you will see. He tells the story of a man named John. John had a double story house, five plus five rooms. One day there was a gentle knock on the front door. When John opened, it was the Lord Jesus. Please come in, John pleaded. I will give you the best room in my house. It is upstairs. Well, Jesus is a gentleman and said thank you. The next morning, someone hammered against the front door. When John opened, who was there? The devil. No, shouted John. I don't want you here. But the devil said, I'm already in. And John looked down and the devil had a big toe in the door. And a big fight started. Satan poured filthy temptation on him. It was horrible. By the evening, John somehow got the victory and threw the devil out. Then he said, wait a minute. I gave Jesus the best room in the house. Why did he come to my rescue? Why didn't he come to my rescue? Jesus said to John, look, you gave me one of the 10 rooms. John was on his knees and said, I can see my mistake. Sorry, Lord. Let's make a deal. 50-50. You have five rooms upstairs. I'll keep five rooms downstairs. Jesus is a gentleman and accepted. The next day was a repeat of the day before. Somehow the devil got in and out and John was totally exhausted. Why didn't Jesus come to my rescue today? I need to go and ask. The Lord said, my son, You only gave me five rooms. You can't keep things from me. And John broke down. But John thought to himself, surely there are private things in my room and the Lord doesn't want to know about these private adult things. And so John said, I will give you nine rooms and I will keep one to myself. So 
The next day, Jesus, in all the rooms but one, waited, and a knock came to the door. And John went to the door and opened it, and it was the devil again. The devil came in with a great fight, and all night struggled. The next morning, John was tired, and John didn't believe Jesus cared about him because John thought he had given everything Jesus wanted. And so Jesus, in his love and gentleness, came to John said, John, what's wrong? And John said, I've given you everything. And Jesus said, why don't you give me all 10 rooms? Instead of staying with you, you stay with me. John broke down again. <clears throat> He pulled the key of the front door from his pocket and handed it to Jesus. Now he had given it all. The next morning it was still dark when someone was knocking at the front door so hard that the whole building shook. John jumped frightened and shaken out of bed crying. Oh, it's the devil again. When suddenly he heard footsteps, but this time inside the house. Jesus was marching in majesty and power toward the front door. He had the key. It now was his duty to answer the door. John was wondering what would happen and stood right behind Jesus when the Lord opened the door wide. Who was it? The devil, of course. But when the devil saw Jesus standing in the door, he bowed low, very low indeed, and said, sorry, sir, I knocked on the wrong door. going to go on a journey with you. The three parts are what have I owned? What do I owe now? And what will I owe in future investments? Let's start back when I lived in California. I lived with my parents till I was 18. I'd always had my own room in the house. I had a personal TV since I was 10 years old with a PlayStation. I had various sports equipment, lots of skateboards and bikes. I've had seven different vehicles and four rental apartments. What do I own now? My family currently lives in our first house, which has a 25 year mortgage. I own two cars. One is fully paid off. From a phone to a fork, my wife and I own close to 300 items in our house and in storage. The Father in heaven gave me his own son's identity. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, is my power source. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and I live in Christ. Just as Christ abides in the Father, I abide in Christ. I own nothing, but have been given everything in Christ. What do I hope to own in future investments? Not including things that I might inherit, I hope to own less and less the older I get. But I still hope to own at least a room 
and a bed for my wife and I. I hope to have simple household items with many flowers and plants that my wife can enjoy. I hope to own a few books and some leisure activity equipment. I hope to have some tools and a nice shed. I hope to have a place my children will love to grow up. What I have owed. Starting back when I was about 10 years old, I had a terrible habit of stealing. I owed probably a few hundred dollars to various businesses in California. I have owed many people, including my wife and kids, apologies when I have hurt their feelings. I have owed nearly 30000 in credit card debt, vehicle, and school loans that my wife and I have paid off. I have owed a lot of people love and thanks and honor for the various ways people took care of me as a growing person when I was irresponsible, loud, and annoying. I have owed my heart, body, mind, and soul rest. What I owe now, I owe my wife all the attention and affection she deserves. I owe my four children all the love and support I have to offer. With our mortgage, one vehicle, and Fed loans, my wife and I combined have 250000 in debts to pay. I owe my heart, body, mind, and soul to Jesus because he gave his perfect heart, body, mind, and soul up so that I can have his. What I will likely owe in future investments. I will likely owe on some more vehicle loans and house mortgages. I hope to be able to give all that I have earned in a lifetime of work to a final move where my wife and I will complete our life together. We have dreamed about living on the banks of the Ganges River in India. I hope to give my children all that I have acquired in possessions. I will likely owe some medical bills along the way. I will owe an account for my life with Christ. I will go through every detail with the glory of God and all his goodness. He will judge my heart, body, mind, and soul. I will owe him everything, but all I will have is endless affection, attention, and adoration. For that day he welcomes me into his new heavens and new earth. So friend, what have you owed? What do you own? And what will you owe? Transitioning now into our equipping section, we've looked at three stories now. My testimony, the story of John from Reinhard Bonnke, and accounting of the cost. As we look forward and we consider these stories and how to take out practical and spiritual tools, I want to read from you the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting at verse 17. It's the story of the rich young man, and it goes like this. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, 
and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept for my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So the question we have to ask ourselves is what is Jesus wanting from this man? He asks him to sell everything and then follow him. But I think we need to consider the context of what he's asking and how is the rich man receiving Jesus' challenge and what Jesus is saying. So a few thoughts I have written down here that I'll share is what was Jesus really wanting? I think it starts with knowing that this rich ruler, this rich man, he had a lot of control over the possessions that he had. And I think Jesus knew that. And so Jesus wanted to have this man surrender the control in his life. And so when you think about control, I mean, control is immediately linked to power. And and then when someone says, I want you to lose control, or I want you to surrender power, there is a very vivid feeling of weakness or or chaos that can come into your heart. But Jesus wants to be there in that process of being able to spend time thinking about these things together. God doesn't want you just to be alone and not have anyone to talk to. He wants to be able to go item by item. Everything that you have to let go of, everything you have to give away. He wants to hold your hand. He wants to talk to you. He wants to smile as you let it go. So here is a longer list of possessions, ideas of control, and and things that 
don't have to do with selling anything because that one's pretty easy. We all get the idea of, of okay, I, I, I get what Jesus is talking about when he talks about selling, but here are some ideas outside of the obvious. So imagine Jesus saying, I want you to give up control of all your wants. I want you to give up your dreams. Surrender your dreams. Surrender or break control of your future. Let go of your present and surrender it to me. Stop thinking about your past. Let go of it. Surrender your desires. Let go of your fears. Let go of your failures. Let go of your longings. Surrender your successes. Give away your possessions. Let go of loneliness. Let go of pleasure. Let go of sins. This list can go on, but these are bigger ideas of what I think Jesus is wanting this man to consider. Now, I don't think it has to do with all these things that Jesus is wanting from this man. I'm sure this man has some of these things figured out. He had, um, as he mentioned, he had followed um, some of the commands, at least, that Jesus mentioned, and and possibly um, all 600. There was over 600 laws um, in that time that the Hebrews were having to follow. And so it's very possible that he followed all those laws. And so he had a lot of these things already figured out. But something about what Jesus said went deeply into his heart. And, 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 and when he really counted the cost and when he thought about all the things that he would have to give up, it was very discouraging to him. So, I think in this equipping section, what we really need to highlight for ourselves is, is just taking time to sit down and, and look at what is most important to us. Write down a, a list of what are all the things that if Jesus, you know, came to me today and said, I want it all, what would be on that list? And uh, whether you use a highlighter or you underline it or put a star next to it, what, what things would stick out on that list that would be really hard to let go that you haven't trusted God with? Not necessarily because you don't trust God, but just that you never really let him have it. Does that make sense? There are things in our life that we've just always held on to because no one told us to let go of it. And what I'm saying is that it seems that Jesus is wanting us to let go of 
everything and trust God with everything. Even if he's never specifically asked for it, he wants to know that you trust him with it. So that's what I would challenge in this equipping section. The practical tool is just the tool of, of writing things down. And I think it is both um, practical and spiritual. So uh, I get a two for one on, on this uh, equipping section, which is awesome. Because uh, this, this podcast has been a heavy one. It's been, uh, it's been challenging, <laughs> I think, to transition into uh, the challenge section uh, just very naturally. I, I will say that I have uh, I've actually been recording this podcast for over seven days and I've processed a lot of things and wanted to really trust God with um, what was said in this podcast. And I'm really excited with where it's landed. I feel very challenged personally and I'm very excited to... Um, hopefully hear testimony from others who have have taken these uh these ideas and and heard these stories and and it's it's struck them in in a new way so i think the biggest challenge uh that we have um as 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 listeners of of the word is um is really just identifying with these stories in, in humility and, and really saying to ourselves, you know, how do I relate to John? How does the enemy put his toe in my life and eventually get in? Have I given God the keys? Does he own everything even though he's given me the keys of the kingdom which is a which is a bible reference he has given us the keys that doesn't mean that we have to hold on to them we we can we can trust him as the ongoing owner of those keys that's for another podcast but what I think we need to continue to consider to challenge ourselves is what does it look like to be humble in, in, in considering each of these stories. And so we talked about John briefly and then talking about just counting the cost of everything, really writing those things down the challenge of that and writing all those things down. What have you owned? What do you owe? And what will you owe in the future? Writing those things down and just looking at it and sharing it with a loved one and just saying, what do you think about this? Is this realistic? Is there anything that sticks out that's uh, unhealthy or, or could get me in, you know, to, to a problem in the future that, that, you know, maybe you know that person that you share it with you know maybe you know that they've they've personally had victory or they've had um, a struggle and so you share your list with them to get their input 
My hope is that you don't leave this podcast discouraged like the rich young man. I want you to leave encouraged. And so I challenge you, if you are feeling discouraged in any way, whether it's the the melancholy sound of my voice and or uh, just the the serious tones uh, that you felt during this podcast, I encourage you, uh, one of the most powerful things that happened to me this past week is I just got on my knees um, in the middle of all the different things that were happening and uh, I just got on my knees and I was having a hard time taking a deep breath and I I just got prostrate on the ground in my kitchen. All my family was in the van already. We were getting ready to go somewhere and on my knees I just I got down low and I just asked the Lord for a deep breath. I asked the Lord for help and um, for the first time in like five minutes, I was able to take a big, deep breath. And so I hope you can find a place to do that. I hope that today starts something very powerful in your life. And that is um, letting go, surrendering, because a few things come to mind. In, in scripture that I believe are sure and true promises that in your weakness God's strength has more opportunity to come out and the word also says those who are faithful with little proven true will be given much thank you so much for listening to this podcast and I look forward to uh, transitioning into the concluding segments of our time and uh, we'll talk soon We made it, everybody. We made it through part one of my testimony, and I appreciate you hanging in there. I know these podcasts tend to be longer. I actually get inspired by another podcaster named Carrie Neuenhoff, and that is my goal to get to about the length of his podcasts, which are at least an hour. So appreciate you hanging in there with me. Um, I hope that this was a powerful time for you to uh, deeply consider the things that. Uh, I shared and and really just what God has uh, journeyed with me to uh, understand about him. And so I know this won't uh, look the same way for everyone as far as uh, just where this story is uh, relating to where you are in life, but I hope that uh, you can take some practical tools out of this and also some spiritual tools. Really, what I hope you take away above everything is that salvation is a miracle. I am a living miracle, and anyone else who uh, professes to uh, say that Jesus is Lord and, uh, and walks it out, it's a miracle. And uh, it's one of the funnest things that I get to experience on a day-by-day basis, working with Collision, working with Transforming Lives, Growing in Excellence, the TLGE Network. 
and working at select painting and working around the people that I uh, get to just do um, uh, all sorts of different tasks with every day. It's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite the experience. So uh, I appreciate you taking a listen to this podcast. Feel free to share it if you uh, uh, feel convicted to do so and you think someone would be blessed to hear it. Um, I also just want to make a quick mention just to kind of connect all the dots around. Um, originally, this podcast was called Intersect. And um, over some time, the last two weeks, I felt convicted from the Lord to uh, change it back to uh, uh, something called TLGE. And TLGE stands for Transforming Lives, Growing in Excellence. And that is actually the vision of Select Painting. It's a company I work for here in Sioux Falls. And the reason I wanted to change it and and what I felt the Lord was saying to me was that as I had it titled Intersect, it was really a a Gordon podcast. It was very uniquely kind of something I was doing within the company. And I felt like God was saying it needs to be our podcast. It needs to be a select painting podcast. It needs to be a collision podcast. And so just to kind of connect all the dots, and it's easier to say kind of in person, but the the sponsor from the podcast, Select Painting, is, um, is really um, also through Collision, which is a youth ministry in town. And uh, both of them help make this podcast a reality. They uh, financially support the podcast. And so um, at the end, end of all this, my hope is however long I carry this podcast in the future, that uh, I can pass it off to the next podcaster and uh, it will stay in-house and uh, I can teach uh, someone uh, all the tools and the tricks on just how I make these podcasts every week. And um, and that's something I'm really excited about. It, it, it really goes to uh, really the core of what the company is about. Uh, Our company believes in leadership development and Collision believes in multiplying disciples. And so just the the ability to someday and and, or in the near future be able to start teaching others how to do this and and it not being Gordon doing it by himself. It's a very exciting opportunity. So that being said, going into the future, this will be the TLGE podcast. And I appreciate you so much for listening. And uh, now we'll go into our outro song, You Can Have It All by Bethel.